So glad you came today. Hope you enjoyed worship. It's always a wonderful time for me to get into the presence of God. Because in the presence of God, things can happen really quick and really fast. And it can really bless us in a powerful way. So much can happen more in a moment in the presence of God than me preaching for, for a long time. But I want to talk to you. There were too many amens there when I said that. <laughs> I talked about, about me not preaching very long. No, I hadn't. I've only got about 30, 35 minutes today for you. But I want to talk to you about something that's that, uh, about Father's Day. First off, happy Father's Day again to everybody. And uh, I, I want to talk today, yes. I want to talk to you about the, the overlooked father. The overlooked father. Sometimes there's, there's a, many people in the Bible, but there's, there's one specifically um, in, in the Bible that is overlooked. And I want to talk to, to you about him today. And it's Joseph. Mary and Joseph. Jesus' daddy, he's overlooked. And I want to show you why. Once you start, because if you just read the, if you read the scripture, you'll think, ah, he ain't do a lot. But we're going to find out what is implied in those scriptures that I believe that will really make a difference for you to realize that he was a whole lot more of a man of God and a father than you think he was. There was a little girl one time that, that looked at her daddy and said, Daddy, you're the boss, aren't you? And he, he was kind of pride and said, yeah, baby, I'm the boss. And then she said, that's because mama lets you be, right? And so she, she put you in charge. So, so we, we know sometimes who, who's the boss. And, and uh, the, the, the thing is, is, this is Father's Day. Well, God created man before he did woman, but Mother's Day comes before Father's Day. So that shows who's important once they both got here together at the same time. But the thing is, is, is you see, on Mother's Day, a lot of times, you know, we, we praise women. We love women. Women are, you know, clouds of angels come down and sing on Mother's Day. Ah, they're so awesome. They're so great. Everything's so wonderful. But when we get to Father's Day, it's like in a lot of churches, in a lot of places, at Father's Day, it's a time to beat up the dads, tell them how bad they are, how deadbeat they are, how they need to step up to the plate, and how they need to do good, and how they need to change their ways and be there for their kids. You know, and then the next week, that, those same pastors will, will, will stand up and say, where's all the men in the church at? You know, well, last week you ran them all off. <laughs> So I want to preach one of those uplifting Mother's Day messages to the men today. So you can enjoy it and, and not feel like, you, oh God, I'm here and he's going to beat me down the whole entire message. Um, I'm not going to do that. But there are, there are two types of people with fathers. They're, they're, the first one is, is, is a per, the first person that, is, uh, that has been a, they have been abandoned by their father as a child and grew up. And they had a lot of enormous challenges and they, they, the, the father wasn't there. And they grew up deciding that I'm not going to be the type of father that, that I had. I'm going to change that. Um, and you may be here today and not have a father in your life. You may be here today and say, I don't have a dad. I didn't have nobody that, that, uh, that, that was there for me that I called dad. I didn't know him or he left me, he walked out, what have you. Well, here, I got something that every person in this room needs to memorize this scripture. Psalms 27 and 10. Because everybody's going to run across someone that doesn't have a dad at some point. Psalms 27 10. Even if my father and my mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. That's so important for you to understand that if you don't have a dad today or you're missing a father and for you to understand that God says, you know what? I got you. I'll hold you close. As a matter of fact, Psalm 68, 5 and 6 even goes further and says, God, he's a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of the widows. This is, God's who, this is God who is dwelling as holy. God places a lonely, or in King James it says a solitary in the family. And that solitary means that that person, God sometimes places a, a person in the family that they can be the, the igniter, the solitary person that, that ignites the whole entire family um, to, to, to come to Christ. And it says he sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. 
And then the second person is who has a father who has been very healthily involved in their life and their upbringing. And they were a very connected family. And there was a lot of love and compassion. And, and, and Timothy. Timothy was in the Word of God, and he has a book in the Bible. And two books, actually. And he, had, he don't, it don't talk a lot about his father or his grandfather in the Bible. But it does refer to a spiritual father that he has. And so, so Timothy, even though he didn't talk a lot about his father and spiritual father, he, I mean, his father and grandfather, he looked at, you know what? I need to find a man in my life that can be there for me, that can help me. So it's so important for everybody in this room even, if you, have a father, if you don't have a father especially, but everybody in this room, you need to have spiritual fathers. Well, I have a dad. Well, I have a wonderful spiritual dad too. My, my, my dad, he's very spiritual and he, he's a man of God. But at the same time, you need someone outside of that that's a spiritual father that can give you guidance and, and, and direction that can help you even, even more. And you need, you need, everybody needs spiritual mothers as well. You need that spiritual mother to say, do what your mama says. <laughs> but, but, but see, we need that. You need that person in your life, that man that you can look up to, that you can go to for guidance outside of somebody in your family. They can give you guidance without the emotion of being in your family. So it's important and because there's a lot of people that is, is just longing for fatherhood. There's a lot, a lot of people longing for a strong person in their life to love them and care for them. Um, there's a story that I found in uh, Bits and Pieces of October 15th, 1992, page 13. Um, there's a Spanish story and it was a father and a son that had been estranged. And they, were, they had been separated. And the father, after many, many months and years drove by, in desperate, in desperate effort to find his son, he put into the Madrid newspaper. The ad read, Dear Paco, meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you. Your father. And on, fr on, on Saturday, 800 Pacos showed up for that looking for forgiveness and love for their father. If, if, we would, if we would put that same right there in the newspaper today and put Dear John or, or Dear Timmy or Dear Larry or dear, dear Ralph or whatever, there would be people showing up by the flocks with that name that have, don't have a, that's looking for that fatherhood figure of love and forgiveness, what have you. Whether or not we had an earthly father or not, we can have that spiritual being in our life. So I want to talk to you today about Joseph, the man that I really feel that is is overlooked and overshadowed maybe by the prominence of his wife. But just because he's overshadowed by his wife does not mean that he's not a good father. You know, a lot of you in this room and in, in Wilmington and in, in the world, there, there's women that are or maybe seem more spiritual or they're more authoritative and maybe they, they're, they're prominent, you know, and sometimes a man takes a back seat once in a while and if, if a woman's a minister or what have you, and you may think, you know, I'm not as important. Well, no, you are important. And God chose you as well as he chose her. Because, in, like for instance, in ministry, God doesn't cho choose one without the other. God doesn't choose a man to be called in the ministry and doesn't call the woman in the ministry. That would be a struggle. That would be, that would be detrimental to their relationship and, and, and marriage. God doesn't call a woman to, to ministry without calling a man. Because you're a team. You're one. And so when, when God chose husbands and wife, he chose a husband and wife for the children. God chose Mary for Jesus. God says that she, he, she found favor in the Lord. And then God chose Joseph for Mary to be the father of, um, of Jesus. And Jesus was demonstrating the role that, hey, you know what? Yes, the, he, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was. But at the same time, it, he wanted to show the importance of, of a spiritual father, of a dad. Because, yeah, he, he, Jesus didn't need it because he had God. But here on earth, for our example, he wanted to show that he needed a dad. 
I want to stop right here and say something real quickly. You know, talking about husband and wife and marriage and this kind of stuff, I want to give props and I want to salute all you single parents out there. All those that are single parents that are raising kids, whether you're a, a, a mom um, because, because it's hard for you, you know, but, but and then also a dad. If you're a dad and you are a single parent, I double salute you because that's a hard job. I don't think single parents, y'all are my heroes. Y'all are doing the job. And th- th- you shouldn't have to be doing it by yourself, but you are, so we salute you today, okay? But God is gracious. Don't forget, God is gracious. And, and even though my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. But God made a good choice. I want to read these scriptures to you. And it's not going to be a Christmas message. I'm going to read the Christmas scripture. But it's, it's, it's for today for Father's Day. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to, to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became um, pregnant through the power of Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break off the engagement quietly. As he concerned this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in the dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her conceived by the Holy Spirit, she will have given a son and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save the people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will, will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her child was born, her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. And then Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. After the wise men were gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt um, with your child. And his mother, the angel said, stay there until I return, until I tell you to return. Because Herod is going to seek out to kill, um, um, seek out for your child to be killing, to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. And then in Matthew chapter 2, verses 19 to 21, um, when Herod died, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said, take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel because Um, who was trying to kill your child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. God, just bless your word today. Help me convey what you laid on my heart. And God, I just pray that you bless today and let fathers in this room rise up and, and know that they are blessed and that they are encouraged, God, and they can be godly men of God. In Jesus' name, amen. So first off, God, I mean, Joseph was a loving man. Scriptures points us that he was a loving man. You're like, he don't seem too loving to me. I didn't see a lot of loving in that scripture. Well, it says that Joseph found out that she was pregnant before Jesus told him that, you know, that, that you're supposed to you know, marry her. Now, when, she, when you find out that your wife is pregnant and you didn't have sex with her or your, your fiancé, that, kind of that would probably kind of make you bitter, kind of upset, kind of mad, kind of ticked off a little bit. You know, hey, wait, that wasn't me, so how'd you get pregnant? So normally you would say, okay, it's over, it's off, okay? And he would have a right to do that because in that day, in, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, if you, if you uh, were um, um, caught having you know, sex outside of marriage or what have you, then you were stoned to death, okay? 
And so, and even, even if you were engaged or married, you were stoned together. Now, in the New Testament, it's a little bit different, you know, a little bit different laws because Christ came back, but it was still a very grave offense to do that. Now, now he had every right. He's all upset. She's pregnant. I'm pregnant. Okay. Well, what did he say? He said that he wanted to, to do away with her quietly. He saw that she, he wanted to do it quietly. He wanted to get a divorce, but he didn't want it so he wouldn't publicly disgrace her. That's a man that loves a woman. This is, I love you so much. You did this to me, but you know what? I love you. I care about you. I want to just kind of do this quietly so, you don't, so nobody looks at you, so you don't get stoned, so none of this happens and all this kind of stuff like that. You know, so, so he, he loved her. It showed that he loved her. He was a loving man. Um, David O. McKay says, The most important thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother. That's, that's the most important thing that, that a father can do for his children is show love to his mother. Um, Stephen Covey says, creating a warm, caring, and supportive environment, encouraging environment, is probably the most important thing that you can do for your family. And, and so whenever Mary was about to give birth to Jesus, there was no room in the inn. He took her and he put her on a, 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 a donkey and he walked with her all the, way, all the way to the end. And there was no room in the end. Now, he, I know, I agree with you. He should have called TripAdvisor and got, and got a, a reservations a week earlier. You know, us men get in trouble. You ain't got reservations? I know she just looked at him like, what in the world are you talking about? Why, what do you mean we ain't got reservations? So he took her. He took somewhere else. He found another place. He took her there and, and, and got, and got a, a trough and put some hay there, made it soft for the baby as, as possible. And so he did what he could to try to make it happen. So he, tried, he shows that he, he was kind of loving there. And then he's also loving towards Jesus because he could have said, Holy Spirit conceived this baby. That's really not my child. So I, this ain't my child. I ain't got no flesh and blood here. This ain't my boy. So, I, you know, he's my, I, I'll play dad, but that's, I'm just going to play dad. He didn't. He adopted him as his son, and he took him on, and he took him as his own. He cared for him because whenever, it's, whenever they said Herod try, was going to try to kill baby Jesus, he took him up, and as Jesus said, he took him and fled away from the trying to protect him. So he was a protector over Jesus. He didn't want him to die. He wanted to protect him. He said, this is my son. I've adopted him. I've got to take him and protect him, and, and he, he nurtured him. And then if you say, well, I'm not really sure that's a lot of love there. Well, how about the fact that Jesus was a carpenter? Because Joseph was a carpenter. So for, for Jesus to become a carpenter, Joseph taught him to be a carpenter. For you to teach somebody your whole entire trade and for him to be a good carpenter, it takes a lot of time for you to do that. So there was a lot of daddy's, daddy's son time that they just spent time together, hanging out, beating hammers and, and doing all these kind of things. And, 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 and so that took a whole lot of time for him to show the, and, and to pay the price as a father to Jesus that I care for you enough to teach you what I love and so you can have my legacy of being a carpenter. And I think that's just awesome. I think that's wonderful that he did that. And see, most people, we look across that, that he was a carpenter, that he had to teach in that trade. Joseph was a devout man. He was a very devout or devoted man. I, you could say that word either way, I guess. But he obeyed God. He was a man who obeyed God, and he explicitly followed the Lord's rules. Whenever God said, hey, take your son and your wife over here and, and, and go ahead and marry Mary and, and, and do that, it's okay. Whenever, whenever the angel told him to marry, marry, go ahead and marry Mary, he said, okay. And so he did. And then whenever the angel said, hey, you got you to gotta get out of here. They're going to try to kill your son. He left. He packed up his shop. He closed the shop down, closed for the summer or whatever time it was. And he took his son and went to another country. And he didn't question God. He didn't question the angel. He didn't say, yeah, but i got to make money. What am I going to do now? He packed up everything, and he left immediately. 
And then whenever um, the angel said, okay, you can go back now, he packed up again and moved back. He, was a, he moved around a lot. And uh, he went back, back to Israel over and over. I, and I feel like that shows a lot of his care for, G, for Jesus, his care for Mary, that he took care of them and did whatever the angel said. He, he, he was a man of faith as well. You know, uh, how would you feel if, if, if someone said, an angel came and said, you need to pack your stuff up and go to a foreign country. I want you to go to a foreign country, a simple basis. I, I ain't going to give you a lot, of, a lot of examples. I ain't got to give you a lot of background. You just got to go because they're going to kill your son. And you don't have, you just go. You just pack up and leave. I think that's awesome that, 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 that he has that faith. And I think it's very important for, for us fathers today to show faith to our kids. I think your kids need to hear you fathers say, we're going to have to trust God, guys. They need to hear that. They need to hear you as fathers say, we got to trust God. Because they need to hear that you're saying, we got to trust God. And then God's going to do what he says because you have faith, and he's going to take care of it. And you're, then you can say, son, daughter, wife, the reason that this happened today is because we trusted God. So they need to learn to trust God. They need to have faith. They need to hear you pray. They need to hear you pray for them. They need to hear you pray at the dinner table. And, they need, and you're like, well, I don't pray a lot. You know, it don't matter how you pray. It don't matter what you say as long as you're praying. Because, because whenever Sidney started going through these EOGs as a young girl, when she was back in the sixth grade or fifth grade, whatever time it started, I said, okay, Sidney. So before she left on that morning, I said, let's, let's, let's pray. She goes, well, what do you mean? I said, you're going to have EOGs, right? She goes, yeah. I said, so let's pray that, that, that God will help you with your EOGs and bring back to your remembrance everything and that you'll do good. So, okay, so you know what happened this year? She's got EOGs coming up um, the next day. So that night before, she says, Daddy, we got to pray. How awesome is that? My daughter's coming to the daddy saying, I need you, the man of God, the man of the house. I want you to pray. I want you to pray. So, but, but I'm just not, I don't know how to pray. It don't matter what you say. If your child asks you to pray or you want to pray with your child, whatever you say to God is going to be okay as long as you say it with the right heart. It's not no special. You ain't got to speak King James, oh, thou heavenly father that runs from the throne and to and fro in the earth. God, I, I, I'm not lying. I'm, just, I'm dead serious. I'm serious as a heart attack. I think he laughs when people do that. I think he laughs. It's like, really? That's not, I don't do King James anymore. That was back for them because that's what they spoke. They spoke that, so that's what I listened to. But now you speak English, so speak English. Speak Southern, you know? So, so, um, so I think they need to know that they need to hear you. They need to hear you pray. They need to, you need to say, hey, when they're having a hard time at school, well, let's pray about that. It ain't got to be a long prayer. It could be a 30-second prayer. The fact that you as a father are praying for your kids and you're showing them faith, you're showing them trust, you're showing them that we got to trust God. you got to say those things so they can hear that. And I think that's so important today for them to see you as a man of faith. And Joseph was a man of faith. He also was a man of spiritual duty. Um, um, Luke chapter 21, verses um, 2 and 41 says he, was, he went regularly to the house of God. Luke 4, 16 says, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the, on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. So Joseph, it says he went regularly in, in Luke um, 2, 41. And then Jesus later on went and it, he said that he went as he always had, at, went as usual. So they always went to church together. They went to church as a family. They went to the temple. They didn't just go sometimes. They went every time. It was open. They, they went and did it, and he taught him how to do that. He taught him and so much that Jesus read the scriptures. Jesus was a loving man toward his wife. He was a loving man toward his son and toward his whole family. He was a devout man. He was a man of obedience and faithful and a spiritual duty. 
He also was a wise man. Joseph was a wise man because he redeemed the time. On all accounts, I believe that his life was shortened. We don't see a lot about Jesus after his childhood days. But we do see when Jesus was on a cross, when Jesus was on the cross, he looked at, Mary, at John and said, said, John, take care of my mother. So if daddy was around, he would have said, Joseph, take care of mama. But he didn't. He said, my brother, take. So probably what happened, most theologians believe, is that Joseph had died. Because see, back in the day, you either lived like really long or you died quick. Because, you know, because there were so many diseases and stuff, and you catch a disease, and animals were so nasty and carry diseases all the time, and so they, they, they died a lot of times. And so it, it just on, on all accounts, it seems like he died early in his life, but he redeemed the, the time. He took care of his kids. He did what he could. He was very honorable. He took care of his mother. He took care of Jesus, and he provided for his family, um, and uh, he was an example. Now Jesus, now, Jesus was not the only son that Mary and Joseph had. And Jesus had two, two half-brothers um, that were greatly used. He had James and Jude. So James, the book of James, he wrote that. Jude wrote the book of Jude. James was um, a, a leader in the church of Jerusalem. So Joseph did not only just take care of Jesus, he took care of James and Jude as well. And he taught them to do so well that they end up writing a book in the Bible. So, so Joseph really took care of his family. You know, it would have been very easy to say, hey, Jesus, you, you're my favorite because you're the son of God, and I want to make sure I get everything I need. You know, you got a connection. You are the son of God, and you, could get me, you can get me what I need. You could do whatever, you know. But he didn't do that. He didn't play favorites. He treated all his kids as, and drew them all up and spent time with James and Jude where they became, became men of God. And, we, and so when we are men, we have to walk in kindness. We have to walk in graciousness. We have to walk in mercy. We have to be devout and honorable and, and live godly lives. We need to be obedient to God and God's word. We need to be faithful in our spiritual duties. We need to redeem the time that we have with our family. And we need to encourage our families at every opportunity of what we can do and to set an example and provide for their needs and, and, talk, and, and talk with them and spend time with them. Do you know that, 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 that uh, the psychologists say that the more often that you eat dinner as, with your family, the more probability that your child will not have sex before marriage, will not be on drugs, and will not end up in jail, and will not in, end up being promiscuous just because of the fact that you eat, you eat with them? Because when you're eating, you, conver you converse most of the time. You know, and you, you know, you, you, you talk and you can say, hey, how was your day? What's going on? How, how'd you do in your grades? How'd you pass that test? And it creates relationship. And then relationship is twofold most of the time. And if a child knows that you care, they'll normally talk back with you a lot of times. First um, Timothy 5 and 8 says, but those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. God's like, if you don't take care of those in your household, you're worse than an unbeliever. Um, so you have to provide for your family. But you may say, hey, I provide for my family because I put a paycheck on the table every, every week. You know, when I worked hard all week long, you know, and, and I provide the money. And then my wife can take care of the kids and stuff. No, it's our responsibility. That's not enough just to give money. It's our responsibility as men in our household to, to give affection to our family. And I know that's hard for some men. 
you know, to, to give affection. Because, because most likely, the family that you grew up in is the family that you are now. What I mean by that, if you grew up in a family that, that the dad loved on you and you hugged and you talked as a father and son, then that's the kind of father you are. But if you grew up and with a dad says, suck it up, son, quit crying, then that's probably the dad you are. Because, you know, how many people have, how many people have looked at someone and said, oh, he's just like his daddy? Or she's just like a mama? Because they reflect, that's what they see, that's what they grow up in, and they know that, hey, this is how, I, what they see, they emulate. Because dads, we need to teach our daughter how she needs to be treated as a, as a wife. So you need to show her that you care and you're sensitive with your wife and that you love her. They need to see you even though it grosses her out and grosses him out. You need to kiss on them a little bit in front of them and hug them and hold their hands and do what you can so the daughter can say, oh, that's how I'm supposed to be treated when I get older. But if they don't see that, if they see abuse and they see these other things, then they're going to think, well, that's how I'm supposed to be. So that's why a lot of people, if they live in an abused home and their parents abuse each other, then later on in life, they end up being in an abused situation. Because it just it's, it's generational. And so you got to be careful with that. So you got to show that example of affection and godly counsel. We must provide for our own. And Joseph was a man that was inspired, and he wasn't perfect, but he was devoted. He was doing his very best that he could, if you, if you could, Don, um, do that. And so here, here to close out in the, la- in the last few minutes, I want to talk to you about an Ann Landers story that I found in the newspaper. In September the 29th of 1999. <laughs> and what it was, was it was a youth pastor. It was a youth minister. And he got assigned to a correction facility. And this, and this correction facility, the youth pastor asked the teenagers in there, said, listen, why are you here? What got you here? What could have, done, what could have happened in your life different to make you not get here? And... What part did your parents play, and what could your parents done differently? So I'm going to read you what they said. Now, your kids are not going to agree with this because they're not, they're not in prison, and they're going to probably lie to you. These, they have no reason to lie here. So the first thing they said is, keep it cool. Don't fly off the handle. Keep the lid on it when things go wrong. Us kids need to see how things are much better they turn out when people keep their tempers under control. So they're saying, hey, help us understand how much better things turn out when everybody keeps their cool. Number two, don't get strung out on booze and pills. Because when we see our parents reaching out for those crutches, we get the idea that it's perfectly okay for us to reach for the bottle or for the pill bottle or for the liquor whenever things get heavy to us. Children are careful observers and they're great imitators. Number three, bug us a little. Be strict. Show us who's boss. We need to know when we have, that we have some strong support under us. If you cave in, we get scared. Number four, don't blow your class. Stay on that pedestal. Don't try to dress, dance, or talk like your kids. You embarrass us and it looks ridiculous. Oh, that's my favorite one right there. Um, listen, I like my skinny jeans. You leave me alone when I wear them. I got one pair. I feel good. I'm not trying to be like my kids. I just like my skinny jeans. Okay, number five. Light a candle. Show us the way. Tell us God is not dead. He's not sleeping or on vacation. We need to believe in something bigger and stronger than ourselves. And number, number six. Scare the crap out of us. 
If we're lying, stealing, or being cruel, get tough. Let us know why that we, what we did was wrong. Impress on us the importance of not repeating such behavior. Number seven, when we need punishment, dish it out. Let us know that you still love us, even when, we're let, even when we let you down. It will make us think twice before we make the same move again. Number eight, call our bluff. Make it clear you mean what you say. Don't cave in and don't be intimidated by our threats to drop out of school or leave home. Stand up to us and we'll respect you. Kids don't want everything they ask for. And think about that. Kids don't want everything they ask for. Sometimes they ask for stuff wanting you to respond differently. To see how you respond. So they'll say stuff to see what your response is. And then sometimes we're like, okay then. And they're like, that's not what I wanted. But now they're too proud to say that's not what I wanted. So you got to pay attention to those things. Number nine, be honest. Tell us the truth no matter what. And be straight. Be a straight arrow about everything. We can take it. Lukewarm answers make us uneasy. We can smell uncertainty a mile away. The bottom line is that we want you to, to tell us like it is. And number ten, and the final one is, praise us when we deserve it. If you give us some compliments once in a while, we'll be able to set the criticism a whole lot easier. Kids, kids don't want it whenever all they hear is negative. If you praise them, praise them, praise them, then when you get a negative, it's not so bad. But when it's negative, 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 it just stays bad. So we, as families, as fathers, we, we, we do need to do our job. But we need to know that we can be devout followers of Christ, that we can, that we can be faithful just like Joseph. And people may not notice you. They may notice your wife because she works hard and keeps the kids and does all these things and your wife gets all the glory for that. But that does not mean that you're not a good father. That does not mean that you are doing it. And I, again, I salute all the single parents, especially the single father parents. Because, because a woman, she's got the momhood down. And she can always toughen up a little bit and be a little bit of dad. Okay? But dads, we got the dad part down. But it's, sometimes it's hard for us to be sensitive. And for us to, 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 to have the motherhood in this, and it's hard, and it's a challenge. So it takes a lot for that to happen. So today, I would like to encourage all you men, and thank you in the house for being fathers. And I want to I honor you today. I also want to honor those, those fathers in heaven that, that, that were, were here and not here no more because maybe your, your father passed. And I want you to know that we haven't forgot about you either today. So many times on Father's Day, everybody talks about fathers, but doesn't recognize the fathers in heaven, and we want to do that. Even out, out, outside in the, on, on our photo booth, I have one that says, Happy Father's Day in Heaven, and you're welcome to take a picture with that as well. So we want to honor that. And we want to also honor some of you that don't have a father, that your father's abandoned, you are gone. Find, find a man in the house, find me, and I'll take a picture with you. I'll be your daddy for today. I'll be your spiritual father. I'll be someone that can stand in with you. Because I love you, I care for you, and I want you to know you're valuable to me, and we care about you. Fathers, let's do our job. Make sure your kids see faith in you. They hear faith. Pray with them. Talk to them. Tell them about Jesus. And do like Joseph did. Redeem the time. Would you bow your hand and close your eyes? Father, help us today to be the father that you've called us to be. Father, help us to be a father like Joseph. That God, just, just, just maybe just looking at it, doesn't look like he's much. But God, when we start breaking it back down and start looking at the, 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 what's applied in Scripture of what he's done, Father. It's really powerful. He's really a man of God. He's really a man of authority. He's really got a man of faith and trust in you. And he taught his kids well. He taught his kids to serve and go to church and live right. 
Help us today to do that in Jesus' name.